exits. Everybody's got to find one. Even if you're just thinking about starting your company, sooner or later, it's time to call it a day. Even Steve Jobs had an exit. We're going to talk to the person who helped him through his exodus of a company with Andy Cunningham today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Wills. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Very excited to have Andy Cunningham on the call today. She's founder and president of Cunningham Collective. She has made it her business to help some executives, Silicon Valley and otherwise, make it through the big transition. Know when to call it quits, know what that looks like, how to do it on their terms. And this from the person who, frankly, helped Steve Jobs through one of his big exoduses. Boy, that's a hard one to say, exoduses. So sit back, take a listen as we talk to Andy Cunningham and the topic of exits. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I am, as always, but just today in particular, super excited to have Andy Cunningham on the call with me today. Um, Andy has become somebody that I've really uh, quickly become to admire. She's my uh, she's my superhero, uh, and I'm just excited to have Andy on the call today. So, Andy, as we usually do, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us who you are and why you're fantastic. <laughs> Hi, Dad. It's great to be here. Um, so, thank you for having me too. It's it's a real honor to be here. Uh, so, I am. I've been around Silicon Valley a long time. I'm a marketing person. I started off uh, at a PR agency called Regis McKenna and worked uh, on the launch of the Macintosh and worked very closely with Steve Jobs. And then when Steve got kicked out of Apple, um, I decided it was a good time to start my own PR firm, which I did. Um, he went off and started next. I ended up working with him with that. And, uh, and I built that into a pretty big company, sold it. Then I formed a brand strategy firm, sold that. And now I'm doing kind of a marketing consulting firm. And I have a book called Get to Aha, which is all about positioning. So, uh, so that's who I am. Well, and the, the book is highly recommended and uh, one that both Jill and I have read and will be in the resources guide of our book. So we strongly suggest our listeners and readers of the book to check out her book as well. So, you, you know, you mentioned Steve Jobs. Uh, you mentioned the exit. Part of what we want to talk about today is really the, the exit, the founder's exit. And that exit can be They've, you know, taken the company public. That exit can be they've had an acquisition, whether it's to private equity or they've been acquired by another company. Or that exit can be that it's, you know, finally time for the founder to go on to something else. And and sometimes that's because they want to, and sometimes that's because others want them to. Uh, let's let's talk about that Steve Jobs example. I mean, you were you were there in the mix of it. Walk us through what that was like and and some of the lessons learned from from that whole experience. Sure. That was, uh, I think, probably Silicon Valley's most famous exit story. <laughs> uh, so Steve, as you may recall, had hired John Scully to uh, to run the company, to be the president of the company, because at that point in time, Steve had never been, actually been a president. He, he founded Apple Computer along with Steve Wozniak, but he was never the president. He had a guy named Mike Markula was the president for a long time. And anyway, Steve didn't really feel he had the skills to do that. So he was ready to bring in a professional president, and he hired John Scully from Pepsi. And he used the famous line, which I think people people recall, which is, you know, hey, John, do you want to continue selling sugared water to kids, or do you want to come and help me change the world? And uh, that was kind of the line that seduced John into, into agreeing to come to Apple. So John came to Apple. 
I want to say this was maybe 1983, perhaps early 83. Um, and they were a famous pair for quite some time. And I worked very closely with both of them. They, uh, they would talk about what they were going to wear. So they looked good together. They talked about how they would um, banter in front of people, how they would, you know, launch products, all of this. Um, and for a long time, like eight or nine months, it went really well. But after the first year of John's presence at Apple, they started to have disagreements about things, about way, the way things were being run. And primarily, it was all centered on the Macintosh. So Steve, this the Mac was Steve's baby. He really wanted, wanted that product out there. It was a vision he'd had for a while. And, uh, and he put all the resources together to, to get this product done. He had a, 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 a separate building at Apple. He had a separate key to get in. He flew a pirate flag above it. And he made it very clear that this was a, a little bit of a rebellion inside of Apple. And it went along quite well with John. But after the product was launched, it wasn't selling very well. And there were some things wrong with the product. For example, it didn't have a cursor key, and there were some other issues. You know, no networking. It was it was not really a business computer, even though that's how he wanted it to be sold. And um, and it just wasn't selling. And he was spending a lot of Apple's money with this Macintosh division trying to get this product up and running. And and that became kind of the crux of of a problem between he and and John. And uh, ultimately, John uh, talked to the board and made the decision to fire Steve. Um, and basically, you know, st pretty much stop putting all those resources into the Macintosh. And so he did. <laughs> it was kind of an unceremonious thing. And uh, it, it really shocked Steve and shook him to the core because uh, he was being fired from his baby because of the product that was his true baby. His real vision to, to change the world was really all wrapped up in that Macintosh. And it devastated him. And I mean devastated him. And uh, just shortly after he was fired, I, I don't know the exact amount of time, but I'm going to guess two weeks, some, some short amount of time, um, he decides he's going to start a new company called Next. And at that same time, right when he got fired, I had been politically associated with Steve, if you will, at, at both at Apple and at the agency I was at, Regis McKenna. And so I thought this is a great time for me to start my own company as well, since I'm kind of on the political wrong side of the equation here. Although I did get along very, very well with John Scully. In fact, he wrote me an incredible letter of recommendation when I went to work with Motorola. So I didn't have an issue with John, but it was just a good time to start my own thing. So I left Regis, started my own thing. And before I even had an office, uh, literally, I'd probably been at it, uh, you know, 10 days, I get a phone call from Steve. And he says, I'm uh, having a press conference today, and I would like to have your help with it. I'm going to launch a new company. Can you come over to my house? So I drove over to his house in Woodside, and uh, true to the rumors, I'd never been there before. Um, there was no furniture in there, and, uh, and he, was, uh, he was sitting on the floor of his kitchen with uh, probably seven people who had come from Apple and also his lawyer was sitting on the floor with him because there was no furniture in there. But outside the door of the kitchen, and I had to walk through all these people, there were dozens of business press reporters, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Chronicle, Fortune Forbes, all the people I had worked with for the past, I don't know, you know, several years with him because he had called this press conference. So I kind of, you know, weave my way into the kitchen and, I, and I, I'm standing and Steve and the gang are sitting and, and I say, hi, what, what, what's up? He goes, well, I'm going to have a press conference and I've, I've, I'm taking these people with me from Apple. Uh, and by the way, I am going to let the world know, you know, what a, what a 
lousy person John Scully is and what a rotten situation Apple has in front of it right now and that and that I'm going to basically annihilate them with my new company next. <laughs> and I said, you can't do that, Steve. <laughs> you just cannot, you can't do that because it's, it's only been a couple of weeks. You haven't even really negotiated your deal out of there yet. Um, these seven people that you're taking are key individuals at Apple. That's going to create a big problem. You're going to wind up with lawsuits and the lawyer is sitting right there and he's not saying anything to Steve. And I found that to be a very common situation when you were in the presence of Steve, many people became hypnotized and they just sort of, their eyes would glaze over and sometimes their tongues would hang out and they would kind of just, you know, become part of the reality distortion field that Steve was so famous for creating. So he wasn't saying anything. And by the way, I wasn't working for Steve at the time. So I decided I might as well just tell him what I thought. And I said, Steve, you can't do this press conference. It's a bad idea to do this. Do it when you really know what you're going to do, when you really have a product, when you really know, you know, and you're not so emotionally connected. Um, and he stops for a second and he closes his eyes and then he looks at me and he says, okay, I won't do it, but you have to go out there and get rid of everybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, I'm so glad you made that decision. I will gladly get rid of everybody. So I went outside and I basically told everybody the truth. I said, Hey, and I knew them all very well. And I said, hey, guys, here's the situation. Steve just was just fired from Apple. He's not ready to do this press conference. He doesn't have this company together yet. He doesn't have a product yet. He doesn't have anything yet. And as you can probably understand, he's a bit emotional about this. <laughs> so I've advised him not to do this right now. I think it's a bad thing to do. So I'd like you all to leave. I'm sorry. We will get in touch with you as soon as there's something to say. And they grumbled and mumbled, but they all left. And um, I actually appeared in Herb Cain's column the next day, not with my name. Herb Cain uh, was a famous columnist at the, at the Chronicle here. I think it was the Chronicle. Maybe it was the Examiner. I don't remember anymore. But anyway, he called me uh, some stupid flack, kicked all the business press out of Steve Jobs' backyard yesterday during a press conference. <laughs> um, but it was the right thing to do. And Steve was, I think, grateful that I, that I was there and that I did that. And then I told him he shouldn't do it. And then I ended up with a, with a, a multi-year relationship with him after that, working with him to, to get Next off the ground and also Pixar. So I also also launched Pixar with him. So it was a good day for me, and a, I think it ended up being a good day for Steve. But boy, exiting a company that you founded when it isn't your choice and you get publicly fired in front of the whole world is, is absolutely devastating. And I'll just say one more thing. When I came home that day, I said to my husband, he'll be back at Apple. Mark my words, he will be back at Apple because he has so much to prove um, to people that he, that he could run a company uh, I just I knew from that very moment, that very day, that he would go back to Apple, and I think it was seven years later he did. <laughs> awesome. Well, so uh, that's a I mean that's a again a uh, a much discussed. Uh, it's now kind of moved into lore here yes. in, in Silicon Valley, and and the the story behind that, and to be on the you know boots on the ground and be a part of that is pretty amazing. If you, if you think about that experience and you also think about, you know, over the years, uh, you've now gone on to work with other founders, other organizations, you become a board member, an advisor, you're pretty close to a lot of companies. Help us walk through if you're a founder and you're finding yourself at this sort of pivot point where now there's an exit looming against any of those examples we kind of laid out. 
how should the founders start thinking about their communication strategy and what do they say and when do they say it? This is, frankly, it's an uncomfortable place for a lot of them and, and getting guidance is sometimes challenging. So, you know, give us the expert's point of view. What do they, what do they start thinking of here? It is a super hard challenge because you are so connected to your company that you, you really can't even think uh, anything but emotionally uh, charged about it. So I think what founders need to understand, they need to keep track of where their skills start and stop. And when they feel that their skills have, have ceased to be of, of, of great value to the company, it's time that they start thinking about putting somebody else in there. And when it's their choice to bring someone else in, it's a whole lot, it's a much nicer situation. And because it's sort of like going out on top, right? Like they say about athletes, you should go out on top, not wait until somebody, until you're, you have a really lousy season and you get kicked off the team and then there's no place for you to go. So it's all about understanding where your skills start and stop. And, and I, I recently worked with a, well, I, I just joined the board of a company where the founder uh, has made the decision to leave. And he did this very thoughtfully. He thought about where his skills were. He didn't feel that he was at the, at the skill level to be able to scale the company to where it had to go. He got it all started. He actually went out and hired a president who's a very competent person. He got a whole team in place. And then he very methodically and thoughtfully communicated his decision to leave to each board member over a meal, uh, which was a really thoughtful way to do it. And he had already set up the whole situation to be successful after he's gone, before he, he made this decision to leave. So I think he handled it incredibly well. He just didn't feel he was at the right skill level to scale something beyond where he had taken this. And so he's going to remain on the board, which is a wonderful place to be. And uh, he'll continue to advise the CEO, but he, he did it um, the right way, I think. And, and he's very happy about it. He's, he's going to go take a month off and go somewhere in uh, the South Pacific, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so as the, as the founder starts getting to that stage of, you know, either deciding to go out on top or whether they're going to ride it all the way to the, to the bottom, so to speak, it, is your working with them uh, again, like, let's think of some practical things. What are you doing to help advise them? Uh, what sort of questions are you asking them to ask themselves? How are you walking them through that, that process? Oh boy, that is a very tough thing to walk somebody through because it is, it is probably the most emotional decision that a founder makes in his entire you know, career with a company is, is when to leave and how to, how to do that. And when something is so emotionally driven, it's very difficult for people to take advice from other people. <laughs> so you, you have to kind of, um, you know, and I, I've been with, with many CEOs, some of which who did it like the one I just mentioned to you, others where it happens to them like Steve Jobs and others where they just keep hanging on, uh, even if they're not, you know, not adding value and for whatever reason, the board can't, can't get rid of them. And, and so, what I try to do is I try to be very honest with, with my clients. I try to say, you know, take a look at what the value is you can bring to the table. And if the value that you can bring would be better as a board member than it is as a CEO or as an operating person, it's time, you know, you should think about that. So I don't ever tell them what to do or anything. I just sort of, I ask a lot of questions. Where do you think your skill level is? Where do you think your value add is at this point? How are you feeling about the rest of the team that you have? And really try to get them to think through their own emotions and take it out of the realm of emotion and put it into the realm of, 
of um, you know intellectual thought. Um, I, I also do a lot of work with Oracle, and this is a company where the founder Larry Ellison is still is still very much a a part of the way that company operates and runs. And he comes into the office many days, and he's he's brilliant, but he's also brilliant in that he brought in um, two people to be. Uh, the president. There's a man and a woman and they share the role and they are the ones who really run the company. But Larry still provides, I would call it high level strategic advice to the company. And I think he's, he's doing it the right way. He's decided when he should bring in somebody to take his place, but he hasn't gone away. He's still there providing his, you know, his special brand of, of Larry Ellison-ness. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I think there's many ways to do it, but from an outside consultant's perspective, it's hard to, it's very hard to talk to somebody about about something that they're so emotionally connected to. So I just do it with with questions, <laughs> try to get them to think differently about it. Got it. Got it. So let's. Uh, I want to. I want to shift just a little bit here. Now let's think about you know walking them through. Okay, so they're going through the exit for whichever reason, and we can kind of go down the various paths here. But uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Again, this is one of those where uh, founders sometimes struggle with a playbook of. Who should they talk to? When should they talk to? We've heard from some folks that they've been very quiet up until the you know the very last minute. Others have started sort of sharing information and been a little more quote unquote transparent earlier. Um, and help us go through some of the steps of how do you communicate? Where do you communicate? When do you communicate? And again, helping that founder get comfortable with the fact that they're communicating part of their exit strategy. Right. I think the f- the first thing the founder needs to do is get his or her ducks in a row <laughs> before he communicates anything to anybody. Um, so getting the ducks in the row, which is like, as I suggested, this guy I, I've worked with recently who I think did this the very right way. You know, he, he communicated with the board and said, I, I don't think I'm the guy to scale this company. That's how he started it. And I think that was absolutely the right thing to do. I'd like to bring in a president. So the board agreed, yes, you should bring in a president. Um, this is a private company, you know, it's a startup, so it's not it's not that big. There's probably 35, 40 people in the company. But he, um, so he he went out and he found the right guy to run the company, did all, made sure all the interviews happened properly with the board. And then once the, the, the guy was on board for, I'd say, two and a half months or so, that's when he decided that he, it was, he was the right guy and he was going to go now to each board member individually and have a one-on-one conversation and say, I think it's time for me to leave the company. Dan, you know, this guy, Dan, is a great guy. You, you've all approved of him. You all voted him in as the CEO and he's the one who can scale this and I will continue to remain on the board and provide advice, but I, I'm not the guy to scale the company. And it was very calm. There was no emotions involved in it. Everybody agreed that it was the right thing and no one was surprised. No, no one was surprised. So surprise is a bad thing in, in communication. <laughs> you never <laughs> want to surprise anybody in business communication. That is a bad thing. <laughs> so how do uh I'd like to go in a little bit deeper then. So how do, how do founders, companies, organizations start thinking through, like, let's say they're, you know, they're considering an acquisition or let's say that they're considering going the path of IPO at, at what point, like maybe even as a timeline, what point do you start bringing someone like you in to help with that strategy? What are some of the considerations that you, uh, you, you know, you bring to bear? What questions are you asking them to ask themselves? Uh, I'd like to get a little more practical here to try and help, again, I help founders think through 
what these sort of steps are as they've got this looming exit coming up? Sure. So because an exit is a big decision for a founder and probably takes up most of the founder's brain during the time he or she's thinking about it, um, it is really helpful to have somebody you can talk to who can help you through how you're going to communicate it, how you should think about it, when, the timing, all of that. Um, unfortunately, most founders don't do that. They keep this information very private until it almost explodes one day and then that creates a big surprise and then that creates a problem. Or it happens to them some you know and then it becomes a surprise to them so the best situations are when they're when the founder does have someone to talk to and so this this is when i feel like my role as marketing consultant moves from being marketing consultant to therapist <laughs> um, and uh, you're often in that position as a communication marketing consultant because you are you are you're dealing with founders typically who are very attached to their product or their company and and they are very emotional about it and so they really do need someone to talk it through with and when they're talking to a communication person like me I have no agenda with them but if they try to talk it through with their chief operating officer or their head of HR or their board all those people have agendas with with the with the founder and they will work to promote their agendas in their conversation with the founder. So it's not like a real therapy session, right? It's like you're talking to somebody and they're going to try to push what they think is the right thing to do. Whereas if you bring in someone like me, who is an outside communication person who doesn't have a dog in the race, so to speak, um, I can actually, and people like me can actually provide um, a really great sounding board with no agenda uh, at, at work. And that's a very valuable thing for a founder to talk to somebody um, where the advice they're going to get is really to help the founder, not to promote an agenda that I might have with the business. Got it. Okay. Um, we've only got another couple of minutes. So I want to open this up back to you. Is there, as we think about the exit, we think about, again, the founder's role in this, how they communicate and how important that is. Um, any key points or topics that we didn't discuss, anything that you want to bring to bear, especially as for someone who's listening to this and they're starting to think about, they've been growing the company, now they're thinking about this next stage of life, you know, I'd right. love to hear your advice on this. Right. Well, I guess sort of a couple things. The first thing is know, know where your value stops so that, you know, understand where when it's time for you to stop doing what you're doing because someone else can do it better. That's the, probably the hardest thing. So, but that's an internal understanding. And then once you understand that, then communicating that to the, to, to the right people to get the situation in place so that it will go on without you is the next thing to do. So first understand when you should leave. Secondly, sooner rather than later, talk to people about it. So you can start, you know, your board is there to help you, re, you know, with these things and they can probably be very helpful in replacing and replacing you. And then the third thing is, is, is to, to make it your choice, you know, um, your, make it your strategy and your choice. Try not to make it somebody else's choice because getting fired is, is a, uh, you know, it's a very, I think, difficult thing for founders. In fact, it could be devastating for some for some founders. And the last thing, and I pointed this out, I think, in the middle of the interview, is don't no surprises, no surprises. <laughs> don't don't do something at the last minute. Don't you know? Make sure that it's planned out. But surprises are bad. They're they're bad when they come from the CEO. And by the way, they're really bad when they happen to the CEO. <laughs> 
Well, and the one thing I want to pick up on is something you were saying earlier about this idea of becoming their therapist. Uh, I think, you know, that's a, that's a, a clever way of putting it, but I think there's some real truth and real value there that you're helping people through this very emotional time in their lives. Um, again, whether it's happening to them or it's part of their strategy, whatever that strategy may be, but this is a, this is a delicate, challenging time for them. They've spent their time building something and now, they're looking at letting it go, even if it's advantageous to them. And so your role to come in and be this trusted advisor, this idea of gaining their trust and confidence um, is really key because if that's not there, you can be the best specialist, subject matter expert in communications in the world. But if they don't trust you, they're not willing to open up to you, your value for them and for yourself is, is negated. Yeah. Boy, that, that's very true. You know, I, I've always found in my job as a marketing and communication person is that you're always walking the fine line between the founder and his ego or her ego. Usually it's a his. <laughs> the founder and, and the ego and, and then the, and the business. And, and in the end, when a company hires us or me, I'm there to, to, to work for the, on the company's behalf, not the founder's behalf. So what I try to do is, is tell that to the founder. And I say, when you brought us on, you brought us on for the company to you know, help the company through a difficult situation or help the company communicate something. And so I'm telling you as the founder of this company that the best thing for the company is that you, is that you do this. And that usually works very well with founders because they, they are so attached. It's like saying the best thing for your child is to do this if you're talking to a doctor. Um, and so the, what we try to do is, is put, the, put the conversation out of the ego and into the company's benefit. And that takes some of the emotion out of it anyway. Not, you can never take it all out, but that right. takes some of it out. And, um, and, and then you start to get the, the founder thinking about the company and what's best for the company, not what's best for him or her and what's best for his or her ego. Uh, and then once you, you kind of get them to that place where they're now thinking about the company, then you can, you can start talking with them about, okay, here's how we can protect your reputation in this, in this communication. So we'll do the right thing for the company, but here's how we'll position you so that you can go out, you know, with flying colors. And um, just like an athlete who, who goes out at the top and not one who, you know, <laughs> as I said before, gets kicked off the team and doesn't have anything else to do. So that's, it's, it's a delicate operation and it's nice to have a communication person to talk that through with, because as I said before, we don't have an agenda with you like your, like your staff does or like your board does. So bring someone on. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, that's, a, I think a great place for us to close. Uh, Andy, again, always uh, great to talk to you. Uh, go ahead and, and plug the book one more time. <laughs> great. Thank you, Todd. So the book is called Get to Aha. Uh, it's by me, Andy Cunningham, and it is a book about positioning. It's a new way of looking at how to, uh, to articulate your unique role and relevance in the market so that you can dominate your competition. Perfect. Highly recommended. Andy, thank you as always. Great conversation. Loved hearing your views on, uh, on how to sometimes delicately help founders through their exits. Uh, loved hearing the great story about, you know, Steve Jobs in the early days, um, and, you know, how you've evolved that into a career over the, you know, the last several years. So just phenomenal work. Uh, thank you for hopping on. I love talking to you. We could probably do it 
much longer, but you know, we have limits. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so thanks for hopping on and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Todd. You have a great day too. Bye-bye. Well, that was fantastic. I loved just listening to Andy's point of view. She has certainly had a phenomenal career helping executives think through the exit. Um, she is so big on keeping things under control, not having surprises, how to manage the exit and what that looks like. And even if you're thinking about just getting your things started today, well, you should start thinking about what that end looks like, even at those earliest stages. If you'd like to follow Andy, and I certainly suggest you do, well, her book is out on the Cunningham Collective. Uh, you can also follow on the website at CunninghamCollective.com. And if you'd like to follow her on Twitter, it's Andy Cunningham 4. For me, well, the book's out on pre-order. That's Beyond Product. You can also find that on the website at foundersplace.co. That's right, foundersplace.co, where you can subscribe to the website, subscribe to the podcast, follow the blog, or just reach out and talk to me. That's it for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.